morning liberty. Bag up, bag up. Bag up, tear. Put it in reverse, tear. Put it in reverse. Oh, Lord. Lord, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. What the fuck? What you doing, tear? That's so good. I'd never heard that. I'd never heard that before. Uh, me neither. Till today. I heard it again. I've heard it several times, actually. H how old would you say that is? I don't know. <laughs> Let me look. Uh, on this copy of the video, July 11th, 2017. Okay. But <laughs> It's a good one. Two years. It's always good to start off with a laugh. It is. I think. It's my favorite. So Everybody needs to laugh every single day, and <laughs> the video never gets old. Well, oh, that's how I feel about, you know, the government taxing you. You got to back up. Yeah. Back, the government comes to tax you. Back up, Terry. Hello. Man, the, the phones are hot. The phones are hot right now. A lot Ooh. of people calling in. <laughs> A lot of people calling in. Let me just turn them down. All right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> turn that phone level down. Is that better? We have got some liberty today in this episode. Oh, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, isn't it? It is. It is. That's where we come to talk about... All the liberty. You'll have to excuse that hilarious video. If you haven't seen it, go go look for it. And I don't know what the name of it is, but good luck. It doesn't even matter if you see it. It doesn't matter. It's just the yeah. way that he says Terry. <laughs> the guy's name's Terry. Yeah. Oh, loud, <laughs> Terry. So we were watching this video of uh, this uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, thing on 60 Minutes. Was that like a new thing or what? Because I felt like I had heard some of that before. Well, it was a special day on Sunday. For okay. 60 minutes. So, gotcha. gotcha. I mean, I guess you could say new. Okay. But um, I think there were some repeated things in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I heard the line about her saying basically people are too, they put too much weight on being factually correct than uh, being morally yeah. correct, which, which we had seen a while back. I think we should probably go ahead and just, you know, play a clip and maybe talk about it. Okay. What do you think about that? Yeah, sure. We could do that. Well, this is the uh, the AOC special. The AOC special from Good Morning Liberty. All right, here we go. It would require the raising taxes. There's an element where, yeah, there, people are going to have to start paying their fair share in taxes. Do you have a specific on the tax rate? You know, you look at our tax rates back in the 60s, and when you have a progressive tax rate system, your tax rate, you know, let's say from zero to $75,000 may be 10% or 15%, et cetera. But once you get to like the tippy tops, uh, on your 10 millionth dollar, uh, sometimes you see tax rates as high as 60 or 70%. That doesn't mean all $10 million are taxed at an extremely high rate, but it means that as you climb up this ladder, you should be contributing more. Let's just stop it right there for a second. Uh, for like when you get up to the tippy top, Nate. The, let's talk about the tippy top. Yeah, the tippy tippy top. Yeah. Now I pulled some. I pulled some data, some tippy top data, <laughs> from uh, some of the uh, the tax foundation and uh, some other sites like that. Well, so. I mean, when you're at the tippy top, you got a fair share. That, yeah, that's your obligation. Absolutely. Those tippy top people gotta gotta pay their pay their thing. Pay you probably their way. made it from your speculation on Wall Street. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how they did it. Those evil, greedy people. I pulled some information, and I know that I've heard a lot of people talk about the fifties and the sixties, and how we we used to have this really high tax rate in the fifties and sixties, and everything was doing just fine and. And, uh, you know, that's what we need to move back to. So I was looking at some of the data from that. So the uh, it is true that the top tax rate was 91% income tax. In the 50s, In right? the 50s, 91%. That's crazy. Uh, and that was on people making over $200,000 a year. So in today's money, that would be over $2 million a year, basically a little bit more than that, okay. actually, which is almost no one. That's the first part to remember. Almost no one. And we're talking about income tax here. Income, not net worth. Right. Income. Not worth or, or gains or your anything like that. Bonuses, your stock options, things right. like that. We're talking Just about income. income. As a reference, 
um, Jeff Bezos's income from Amazon is eighty three thousand dollars a year. Yeah. That's so his he gets, income. that's his, he's actually in yeah. a lower tax bracket than I am. You're talking about a, <laughs> yeah, you're talking about an income tax idea that wouldn't even touch Jeff Bezos. So that's how, first off, just ridiculous the idea that this is something, if we move to it, it would fix some kind of situation. Even the Walmart CEO's income, like his salary is yeah, what, 1.2 million? Yeah, it's like 1.2. Same thing for McDonald's, 1.2 million salary. Right. So it wouldn't even touch those yeah. guys. The rest of it, the way these guys make so much money is that they're willing to take a stock option payment instead of a direct payment. So it's kind of what goes along with being a business owner, you know, if you don't own a business and you go work for someone, you take a guaranteed payment all the time, whether or not the business makes any money. Right. And you typically will make less because you're not the person who's taking a risk at that point in time. But then from a business owner standpoint, uh, you're taking a lot lower guarantee to no guarantee in a lot of in a lot of cases, and you'll make a lot more if everything goes well. Right. In one year, you may make twenty million. The next year, you could lose ten million. Yeah. There's uh, no guarantee. So what a lot of these people do, um, they will actually just take it stock options instead. And since the stock market, here's another. <laughs> Side tangent, since the stock market has been blowing up so much over the last couple of years, we see these statistics about how the uh, the income, the compensation and income has just been ballooning and, and going out of control. The wealth gap, all these people are making so much more money. It's not that they've been taking a higher guaranteed amount than they ever have. It's actually that they've been taking a lower guaranteed amount in relation to the stock options that they're, they're willing to take a risk on it and not get a guaranteed payment from anything. So that that's how these these people end up making a lot more money is they they end up taking the risk saying I'll take a lower amount up front for the chance of making a lot more on the back end. Uh, uh, here's another thing and you can see this example with Bernie Sanders. Rich people don't pay taxes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they never have and they never will. It just doesn't happen. Like what was Bernie Sanders effective tax rate after his making his hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars, like 13 in the teens, 16%, yeah, something like that. So he's paying his fair share, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he didn't opt in to pay in his fair share. He like paid in, what he was legally supposed to pay. He donated 2% to charity. I think. Yeah. It was less than that. It's, it was, it's uh, just, you just have to think about this. Like rich people <clears throat> are rich for a reason and they don't pay taxes. So there's a great story about uh, Grant Cardone. I think he, he, I mean, he put it all over Facebook. It's not anything new, or like anything he was trying to hide, but he had a big tax bill due uh, one year and he asked his accountant, like, what can we do about this? He was this? in California, right? Yeah. And they're like, well, you could uh, you could buy a plane <laughs> and then use it as a tax write-off. He's like, oh, well. this was after he moved. Right, this is, yeah, yeah Miami. Mm -hmm. He was like, well, call Gulfstream. Yeah. <laughs> Wire them, whatever, $20, $50 $50 million. I can't remember how much he spent on it, but it's like, you, you don't pay taxes, you get a toy. That's actually, we've talked about this before, you and I, like this, the income tax and the system that it sets up is a system that encourages you, what you are to spend a lot more money. It, it encourages you to buy things, to buy lavish things. It actually, the income tax encourages a lavish lifestyle because you want to show more business expenses so you can pay a lower tax. Whereas a lot of these people would probably not choose to, to spend that money. Like Grant Cardone probably wouldn't have chosen to spend that money if he wasn't going to end up having something he didn't have to pay taxes on because he because it right. went against his business income. And so, now, now he's got a plane that he can use for his business. Yeah. And he does fly all over the place. So it made more sense. Like, okay, this money's either going to be stolen from me or I could buy something that's going to benefit my business. So it's an unintended consequence of the income tax right there that people opt into living lavish lifestyles off of their business expenses because they're going to get taxed that money anyway. So they say, well, I might as well use it on something that I'm going to benefit from. Exactly. And it actually creates a lot of this lavish lifestyle where people are swiping their business cards for for uh, everything. So uh, the on the tax rate, the thing in the 50s and 60s, so the, I see a lot of people talk about this when we're talking on Facebook and Instagram and everything. If you want to talk on Instagram, you can go to at Good Morning Liberty on Instagram. Um we get people talking about, oh, our income tax rate was was 91% in the 50s, and, and we were doing better at that point in time. And I looked it up. 
even yes, it was 91% in the 50s. But the actual effective tax rate on the 1% in the 1950s was only 16.9% of their income. Oh, how did they do that? Well, one, <laughs> they were, uh, one, not very many people were making enough money to get into that bracket in the first place. And other than that, it said it encouraged a lot of people taking their money overseas, getting, getting out of here, tax do- dodging as right. much as they could. Right. So they found that what actually happened was raising the tax rate caused the 1% to pay a lower effective tax rate than what they were trying to tax them. So it it's pretty, and now their total effective tax rate, they did say, once you um, took into account the state taxes, your, uh, your sales taxes, your property taxes, all of that, uh, the 1% all in all was paying 40% of their money still went to taxes in the 1950s. You know what that number is now? About 40%? So 38% still right now. But we're supposed to think that um, things would just be so much much different if we just bump that rate back up to 91%. And that's what's gone wrong is that they're not paying the same tax rate as they used to. I think AOC AOC gets into this, but why don't you ask people in Venezuela where all the rich people went? Yeah. (laughs) Where did all the rich people go when Venezuela went socialist? Now that, now that wasn't real socialism though. Well, we're going to get into that because (laughs) there's some more accidentally press play earlier. All right. Here we go. What you got. America's big picture is a radical agenda compared to the way politics is done right now. Well, I think that it only has ever been radicals that have changed this country. Abraham Lincoln made the radical decision to sign the the Emancipation Proclamation. Franklin Delano Roosevelt made the radical decision to embark on establishing programs like Social Security. (laughs) Hang on. Right there, Nate, go. Man, what an amazing point to make is to compare yourself to the radical idea of starting Social Security, which is literally bankrupt. Yes. It literally it isn't working anymore. And everyone you ask who is, who is my age or your age in their 30s, and you say, hey, are you going to get Social Security? No. Are you going to get it, Charlie? It's like, I think 2032, it literally becomes insolvent. So it's crazy to me that that people like this will still point to this this radical, amazing New Deal, all these ideas, the Social Security worked and all that, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's, it's, it's bankrupt. It's not working. It doesn't even work right now. Like the average, I think what the average is, what, $1,200 a month? Yeah. Like who lives, who can live on that? It's nothing. Yeah. It's ter- if you would have just putting, been putting the same amount of money in the stock market over that entire time, you'd have over you, a million. You'd have a, a million dollars in the bank account right now that right. you could live off of. But instead, you get $1,300 a month from the government. And a million dollars, even though you're still in the stock market, so you're still making money, but you yeah. could draw out what, 40, I, I think 40, 50 grand a year it for was, 20 years? Yeah, it was around 50 grand a year is what you could live off of if you had just been putting the same amount of money into the stock market instead of it being taken away from you for social. Security. So that's a little over four grand a month. Is that better than twelve hundred? Apparently not. I, I don't. I'm not that great at math. I'm not a math magician. Yeah, can't can't but do it. Four it seems better than one. Carry the eight. Yeah, I think Taylor okay. Swift had a song about that. Mm-hmm. Four is better than one. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. It was two, but all right. <laughs> roll tape. All right, roll on, rolling on. Uh, just so you know, she's radical. Social Security. I mean, that's. That's something that we should look forward to. Yep. More things like Social Security. Please give me more. <laughs> Take care of me, government. I really understood the frustration that working people had across the political spectrum. You know, when anybody is saying the economy is going great, uh, we are at record levels, there's a frustration that says, well, the economy is good for who? I mean, unemployment is at record lows. I don't think that that tells the whole story. When you can't provide for your kids, working a full-time job, working two full-time jobs, when you can't have health care, that is not a that is not dignified. I mean, we can talk about that for a second. I mean, unemployment is at technically record lows. Yeah, uh, but even though they still dis like they don't count people that stopped looking for jobs. Yeah. You know. I will say I said the same thing when Obama was president. So say the same thing now uh, that everyone was saying then. The unemployment number is uh, skewed. A- 
terrible, terrible representation. The uh, the only one you would actually want to look at is the uh, employment number, right? Uh, which would be the percentage Actual, of people right. who can work that are working, um, which is going up, but the unemployment number going way down is not necessarily always a good thing. Right. So. Well, and then we could, I mean, we kind of need to have a whole nother discussion at another time, but I just want to mention that, you know, the cost of living is rising, but that has more to do with interest rates and the federal reserve and, and basically the devaluing of the, of, of our currency. Now, a lot of you guys might be spinning your head right now, but that's something that we can go into at another time because I don't think the Democrats are actually wrong on this because living in cities like Nashville, I mean, it's very difficult to find like even a, like a one bedroom apartment for a decent amount. Now there's ways around it. You can have roommates and, and do all kinds of things, but compared to like, let's say the eighties when a brand new truck cost eight grand versus 50 grand today. And, and an apartment was, you know, $200 a month in rent versus what, at least 1100 here in Nashville, 1200. Yeah. Well, a lot of that has to do with some of the other data I was looking at earlier. Um, that was going to bring up for, for something else, but, um, the statistic gets thrown around that, that you know, uh, household income has remained flat over right. uh, however many years they're talking about. And it actually ties into what you were just talking about, because talking about, we'll go with a truck first. I've seen people post about, oh, the truck was $8,000. In the 80s. And then now yep. it's this. Well, you, ha- you also have to ask, what's your criteria for your standard of living? Because... You can probably still get that 1980s truck for a whole lot less than $8,000 right now. Yeah. Um, the reason that they're so expensive is because so many people have decided they need to have a brand new vehicle. So the well, market's going to keep going up. cameras up. now, yeah. and they're all jacked up, and they're way bigger than they used to be. Yeah, you look at the, the differences in a truck that you would have gotten in the 80s and the truck that you get now that's got cruise control and power everything and the backup mm-hmm. camera and the tow capacity that's ridiculous. And 300 computers. Yeah, all, all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, the thing's a spaceship compared to the truck that you were going to buy in the 80s. So the idea that it costing three times as much for a, for a low-level truck that is basically something that drops straight out of space compared to the one <laughs> that was in the 80s is not that crazy right. to me. Uh, the other thing is with the apartments going up really expensive. So back to the household income statistic, what I found, um, going back to 1960. Uh, so if you hear someone say the household income has remained flat, well, this is an issue because what also has happened during that time is that in 1960, the average household, the average household had three it's it's three and a half people so 3.5 they had three to four people in every household what happened to the other half um i don't know i'm not sure maybe they uh maybe they moved to china for better jobs okay i'm not sure just half of them just half of them you have reminds me of the walk hard movie yeah (laughs) cuts his brother in half (laughs) i've only seen that once it was pretty funny it's a crazy movie you don't want none of this charlie (laughs) you don't want none of this (laughs) all right um, so the better, the better son died. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so the household statistics that get used saying that household income is flat. What has also happened is that it, from 1960 to 2018, the average amount of people in a household decreased by 30%. It is now down to a little bit under two and a half people. So two to three people leaning towards two, whereas it used to be three to four people. Uh, so yes, the household income might be remaining flat, but that's be- that's between less people. Right. So that's not exactly a bad statistic. That is a statistic that you could use to manipulate people to do whatever you want them to do. It's one of those that uh, it sounds bad, but when you look into the numbers, Okay, you had a, a average household income of forty thousand dollars when there were three to four people in the house, and now you have an average income of forty thousand dollars when there are two to three people in the house. You can't use that against me and say that wages are flat. Right, it doesn't make any sense. So, on top of that, that means that more people are choosing to leave their houses and live. Uh, live on their own. The people are getting their own places, whereas they used to have six, seven people in the house and all your brothers and sisters were sleeping in the same bed or on the floor and 
all kinds of stuff. Whereas now you get a lot bigger houses, you get people moving out on their own and getting their own apartments, places like this. Well, what that does is it creates a, a higher demand for places like apartments, where whereas as the cost of apartments continue to go up and up, what you could see is that people choose to stay home or they choose to live with more people. That's something that happens in New York where people have a a really expensive apartment all on their own and then there's a housing shortage where uh, there's rent control, whereas if the rent was allowed to go up to what it should be, then you would actually have four people living in that space and there would actually not be a housing shortage. Right. And you wouldn't even need the, the rent control. So and it's it, and it's a multivariate problem. Like mm-hmm. almost everything in life, it's very complicated. It's multivariate. There is, you know, like I said, an essence of the devaluing of our currency from the Federal Reserve. Things just things do cost more today. Yeah, and you can see the easiest example to see that is gold, right? Because a twenty dollar one ounce gold coin back in the twenties was worth twenty dollars. And today it's worth whatever gold is now. An ounce of gold is fourteen hundred dollars. I had a gold. I have a gold, uh, a gold ETF right now. I'm pretty pumped about. So, I'm what, a, I don't think people know what that means. Uh, that is uh, an exchange traded fund. So it is. There you uh, go. I don't. I don't own uh, actual gold, but I did get into a three times leveraged uh, ETF that is called. Uh, it's NUGT, but I got into it when it was at the lowest price that it's ever been. And uh, I think right now, let me see what it's up. Um, I think you said you're up like over 100%. Yeah, let me see what That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. So, Did you speculate that this was going to go up? I did. I bought it at a lower (laughs) price speculating that it was actually going to go up. Wow. So, so far, I'm up 100% on that that purchase. That's amazing. And that's in, it's probably two months it's taken for that to happen. Nice. That's not too bad. Your speculation, your greedy speculation is paying off. Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. By the way, if you guys don't get any of this talk, go back to yesterday's episode. Yep. Uh, We did a whole thing on the stock market to try and help you understand all the nuances that actually happen and the fact that all of your money is in the stock market. Don't think it's sitting anywhere else. Like, no, there's no leprechaun watching it at the end of the rainbow. Nope. It's it's literally in the market being traded by all those greedy speculative wall street monsters in one way or another yes all right let's roll on when people hear the word socialism Mm -hmm. they think soviet union cuba Mm -hmm. venezuela is that what you have in mind of course not that was such a scary response by the way yeah of course of course of course that's not what i have in mind this has been an, an annoying thing that i've noticed so far is once socialism goes to its logical conclusion, which is starvation and death for a lot of people, uh, then all of a sudden it's not socialism. It's anymore. not real. Not real socialism. Yeah. You can get you can get a laughed at in a in a group right now if you bring up Venezuela whenever you're talking about Bernie Sanders or or Cortez or any of these people like, oh Venezuela. Oh, he's bringing up Venezuela again. Here, here we go. Yeah. Here we go with the Venezuela. Like it's talk. some sort of straw man argument. Yeah, and it's not. Literally, you know, I pulled up. We had someone. Um, I put a Thomas Soul video on today, and he was saying that socialism is a great idea. He said that he used to be Thomas Soul um, used to be a communist uh, until he started studying everything. He always felt like he was very vigilant always open to studying everything and he said that in his studying it led him away from those things because he actually studied economics and and what had happened all around the world when people instituted this but he said socialism is a great idea but it does not mean that it's great in reality uh and it's not it's it's not we've seen it very much not be a good thing in reality and you're going to point to denmark and you're well, going to point uh, to... I think she goes into her examples here. Let's oh, play yeah. her examples Let's real see quick. see what she says. Well, we have in mind, uh, and what of my and my policies what most closely laugh. resemble yeah. what we see in the UK, in Norway, in Finland, in Sweden. How are you going to pay for all of this? Okay, we're going to get into how she pays for it in a second. But first of all, the UK... Let's talk about the UK, for example. Uh, guns are banned pretty much. So you can't have any guns. Mm -hmm. Uh, now they're putting limitations on free speech. 
I don't know if you've heard, uh, but like neighbors are turning them like other neighbors into police officers for hate speech. And people are actually going to jail for quote unquote hate speech. Now, look, obviously hate speech is wrong. Like you people know what hate speech is. Like if you are, let's say, uh, you know, being mean to someone, I don't know of a better way to put it. Like if you're being degrading towards someone, that's clearly not nice. Maybe you should like you know, look in the mirror and ask yourself if you're a good person or not. And if you're not, you should maybe try to be a good person, but no speech should be banned ever. Like let the bigots speak that way, you know where they're at and you know what they're talking about. If you try to silence them, they go underground and then they form a, you know, a coalition and they all have their underground speech and they bring out like real violence and hatred. But isn't it better that no one is dying because they don't have health care? Because everything you just said just then is a massive eye roll from any socialist that you're talking to. Like, they don't give one piece of crap about what you just said at all. Because people are dying from no health because, care. Because poor people have it better in those countries. So, like they don't, okay, so what, you can't, you can't be a bigot out in the open? Okay, well, poor people aren't dying. Isn't that better? Well, uh, poor people are dying under capitalism. Um, apparently I think poor people are dying because of capitalism, right? Isn't that what we see? Uh, yeah. Obviously normal, uh, the, the daily life of normal human beings, uh, has gotten worse over the last couple hundred years, right. I think, than what it used to be. Well, clearly everyone's starving. There's no such thing as obesity. <laughs> what I always, <laughs> what I always bring up is I always bring up, I start with the economic part, which is the size of the countries. That's, it drives me nuts because, you you mentioned Denmark or what did she say? She say Finland, UK, Sweden, Finland. Yeah. So yeah. each of those the co- Netherlands basically. Each of those countries has a population about the size of New York City, for the whole country. Right. The whole country. So you're talking about okay, could could the city government of New York institute socialism for everyone that is in New York and have a possibly uh, a decent outcome from that? There's a good chance that they could. First, they've all got closed borders. You have to you have to go through immigration and things like that. I mean, they're they're not just. I know a lot of the countries were letting in uh, a lot of the uh, uh, refugees. The refugees, yeah. and now people are having issues with it. Of course, right. Um, well, and then think about like in Denmark, for instance, there's a fifty percent tax on if on a car, so people yeah. don't buy cars. Yeah. So and imagine America if you you like you couldn't buy a car because you can't afford the fifty percent tax. Like if you buy a twenty thousand dollar car, slap an extra ten grand on there. And the other thing is, so you also people don't realize how small these countries are. They're very very. So I in in my Uber travels, I also would pick up people that were from the UK, and they have been traveling around the United States for a while and they're just like, it's, you just would not believe how, how far it is to drive everywhere. And I was like, oh yeah, my wife and I went down to Destin uh, last week and it's, it's the closest beach. It wasn't a bad drive. It was seven hours. And they started laughing. They're like, you could drive across our entire country in that, in that amount of time. And maybe back again. Yeah. Like people don't, (laughs) people don't realize how small these places are. So if you're going to use one of the Scandinavian countries as an example, make it on the case that a U.S. city should institute socialism. That's the only comparable example right. that you could use. Maybe a state. Maybe a state. Yeah. Which we had, hasn't gone well so far. We, talk, we talked about that idea. Like, yeah. Maybe we have 50 separate countries in America. Maybe we should try it with one state. Yeah. And see what happens. (laughs) Some of them have tried that. Everyone will move out. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you that right now. The other thing is you look at history, right? Of course, (laughs) of course not Venezuela. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about. (laughs) A freaking creepy laugh. It's very evil sounding. Gosh. Well, but Nate, I think you found maybe four or five years ago where everyone was praising Venezuela for their new age social socialism. I did. And then all of a sudden, what, how did, I don't understand how it just devolved into this tyrannical dictatorship. I don't know. How does that happen? I, I, it must've been the evil businesses that did it. I guess I'm I'm not really all the evil businesses that left. Yeah. It's their fault for leaving. When they left, they instituted tyrannical patriarchal dictatorship. Yep. 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 Because we have articles here. Someone said, 
uh, we posted the thing and it was Venezuela and they said Venezuela wasn't socialism. So I pulled up an article from this is New York Times. Uh, this is from 2005. Chavez restyles Venezuela with 21st century socialism. Uh, then we have another article from Business Insider. Uh, Democratic socialism moves forward in Venezuela. This is, that's from 2008. And so you have articles, and then you had the one from even as as recent as 2013. The article from Slate or Slate Vox, or Vox or, one yeah. of those, talking about the miracle that had happened in Venezuela, that that Chavez had had ushered in this new era, this Maduro, miracle, yeah, yeah the, this new miracle that had happened in, under under socialism, and it was a couple of years, few years later, that people were you see money piled up on the streets because it's worthless and you see the the store shelves empty because yeah. they can't get any food and people are starving the i think ever the average weight loss was like close to 30 pounds they have a a joke that's a, not a really a good a, a funny joke but they call it the maduro diet yeah uh because you can't get enough food you lose weight under, people are eating under, dogs and rats yeah it's a yeah. sounds a lot like what we've heard throughout the Soviet history. Union. Yeah. Weird. Weird how that repeated itself about a, a, almost exactly a hundred years yes. later. It it's, was repeating itself. It's so shocking, but it's like, and then when they say it's not real socialism, uh, I, I think Jordan Peterson does a really good job of explaining what that actually means. Cause he says that he figured it out. And I really like what he says. He says, when they say that's not real socialism, what they're saying is he's like, that's the most arrogant statement you could possibly imagine. Cause what they're saying is that if, if I was the benevolent dictator that I could yeah. usher in the, the utopia, they just had the wrong basically. people in charge. That's right. all it was. Right. Unfortunately we elected, we democratically elected the, the dictator. Yeah. The, the, um, the, I had, I was having going back and forth with a guy on Instagram the other day who was talking about how the Soviet union wasn't socialism and, uh, that it was Stalin's fault because Stalin was just a terrible person and it wasn't really a representation of Marxism and Leninism and, and all these things. It was actually Stalin that got in there and, and ruined everything, and that's why everything went so poorly. And so my question was that I, that I could never get answered was, okay, well, what led to that? Okay, so, so Venezuela isn't socialism right now. What led to it being what it is right now? You know, that right. answer that question. Was it socialism? Yes. Right. This is the logical conclusion. This is the, this is what happens when you go far enough down the line in socialism. This is the conclusion of what happens. And while right now might not be socialism in Venezuela, what led to this was socialism. So, <laughs> I, and Peterson expands on that idea. He says, you know, even if you are basically the benevolent dictator, he says, even if you are the avatar of moral good, which you're not. But even if you were, there would be someone like Stalin waiting in the wings to shoot you the first chance he got and take yeah. over. And that's exactly what happens. It's repeated itself throughout history multiple times. Even look at the Roman empire that killed Caesar. Yep. Like this is just a constant repeating thing. And it, you know, to me, the easiest way to look at it is socialism is actually, Socialism and communism is actually the thing that's built on envious greed mm -hmm. more than any, more than any other social system, because that's what it is. You're, you're mad at rich people instead of adopting responsibility for your life and, and taking advantage of the opportunities that you have. Even if you have been knocked down, everybody's been knocked down like some worse than others and life's unfair and it sucks and it's really hard. But I always talk to people like, Oh, well I can't afford to go to college to get educated. Like I didn't go to college and I learned we live in a day and age where literally Google, this sounds so cliche, but literally you can Google anything Yeah, and you can learn any, like, how did you learn how to start code? Nate? Um, I looked it up on the internet and took an online Weird. class. Now, what if you couldn't afford internet? Um, well, I probably could have found a book or something like that, but well, it's even better than that because all libraries are free Yeah, and I mean, they have internet there. Yeah. Well, thanks to the government. Yeah. But people get on Facebook through their $1,000 cell phones to complain about how they don't have enough money to go through college, even though on their freaking advanced alien computer that they have in their pocket, they could look up anything they wanted. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I'm tired. I don't, I hate the excuses. I'm learning how to perform a task that I could get paid $100 an hour for mm -hmm. on YouTube yes. right now. Literally. It's, you do the math. Yeah. 
It's it's the, so, it's the real life. Yeah. I, oh, I had something I was going to ask you about though. So I was listening to uh, to good old JP the other day, and yeah. um, so he was talking about you know this this idea that um, if you're going to play a game, you have to play it fairly, or you'll find that people won't want to play the game with you, right? Right. So they did the experiment with the rats, and they found that uh, basically, like, if you're not allowed to win. Uh, every now and then then you won't want to play the game anymore and if if you feel like the game is rigged in some kind of way then you won't want to play anymore right and so i i think a lot of what we're seeing right now are the symptom of a couple things one the game is a little bit rigged a little bit rigged as far as our economic right uh the economic uh standpoint that we're all in it's a little rigged by the people that are at the top right yeah and the First off, you'd say, well, how did it become rigged? Because the corporations don't have any use of force over me. They can't force me to do anything. Sure, maybe they lobbied for some laws and regulations, but enforced by who? Right. So that there's your first first answer. And it's the other not, one would it's be... It's not the lobbyist's fault. Yeah, the it's other, the ones that actually have the power to pass the regulations. the person that they're lobbying, the person that does have the use of force over you, which is the government. I and just, if, let's expand on that for a second, because I just don't understand. I don't understand how, like, okay, I get it. Corporations advocate for bad things with their lobbyists, but it's like... Who actually has the power? It's almost like telling somebody to jump off the bridge. Like a lobbyist is telling the politician, jump off the bridge. And like, who has the actual power to jump off the bridge? Yeah. Because lobbyists can't push them. No. And then a politician just decides to take the dive. And, but yet we, then we blame the lobbyists and we don't blame the people that actually make the decisions. So it's the power mind boggling. It's it's the power that the government has that is at fault because the corporations wouldn't be able to rig any kind of game if there was not an all powerful authority over every single transaction that we all make every single day. Right. So that's how the game becomes rigged. The people who are in the corporations are as evil and greedy as everyone else. Only they are now at the top and they're trying to make sure that they stay at the top and they keep uh, they they solidify their position for as long as possible. And they would not be able to do that with force if it were not for all of the people who think it's an okay thing for the government to control the economy. That's that's where it went wrong was the people wanting some security over their economy and deciding that they should give power to the government to control the economy so they could feel a little bit more secure. And then, yes, eventually you have people who are at the top who are going to lobby to keep out their competition, which is what happens, which is why the game is a little bit rigged. But you don't unrig it by giving the government more power. That that does not fix the game. It's in the opposite any better. thing you should do. No, the uh, the other thing is you have people like Bernie Sanders and and AOC that are uh, are convincing people that the game is more rigged than it actually is. Because while it's rigged, uh, I mean Bernie Sanders made millions of dollars writing the book, and then he joked about it. Yeah, yeah. If you want to, yeah, if you want to write a successful book, you you can too. As long as you have a good heart. Yeah. Pay your fair share. Just <laughs> it's it's. They're out there talking about how no one can get ahead, which is simply not the case. There's what's the statistic? It's so many thousand new millionaires uh, every single day. I can't no remember what it is. So no, she didn't ask. She said no one asked. She no, said yeah. No one you didn't ask that this. question, Nate. Yeah. So there's there's I'll look, I don't know what the actual number I think is. It's but over two thousand. Yeah, it's crazy. It's in the thousands of new millionaires. Every single day in in America. So the idea that you can't get ahead because the game is rigged is completely wrong. Right. It's it's terrible. And and then someone used that stat against me, and they were like, "Well, yeah, a lot of new new people are coming becoming millionaires, but uh, you know that a lot of people are are moving out of that bracket too. And it's not that the number of millionaires is going up; it's just the new people becoming millionaires all the time." And I was like, yeah, that's right. exactly. Did that, you read what you just like, wrote? He literally said, like, he tried to say that no one could make it. And I said, there are thousands of new people becoming millionaires every day. And he said, well, but the number of millionaires is staying, staying the same. It's just that there's new people in the bracket all the time. And I was like, oh, was that? Like, are you trying to make my point for I, me? I guarantee AOC, AOC is going to be a millionaire here pretty soon. I'm sure. Guaranteed. 
with that fame and everything. Oh, she's, yeah. I mean, she's going to get royalties from the next Netflix deal. She's going to have a bunch of books. She's going to have sure. Yeah, exactly. All kinds of stuff. Campaigning. She'll set up a foundation. People donate. Mm-hmm. She'll use that foundation to do everything that she wants to yeah. do and not have to pay taxes on it. Yep. So I love this next section. All right. Are you ready for this? Yeah. She, so, so I accidentally played over it and I'm not going to rewind it for you, but she started off by saying people never ask because, because Anderson Cooper is like, how do you pay for this? Yeah. How do you pay for all of this? Which is a fair question, a good question. And, uh, this is my favorite because, <laughs> well, we'll talk about it in a second. How we're going to pay for this space force. No one asked how we paid for a $2 trillion tax cut. We only ask how we pay for it on. Stop. Is- Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Space Force is funny, but hang on. Do we need to replay that? Oh I'm my try gosh. to replay that for you. I'll just I'll go back just a little Ugh. bit. Just a little bit. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. How we're gonna pay for this Space Force. No one asked how we paid for a two trillion dollar tax cut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's start with the okay, so first off, Space Force, by comparison, is a uh, thirteen billion dollar cost over five years okay uh, while he is asking how we're going to pay for her 90 trillion dollar green new deal and she's using space force as an example against that no right okay so first off complete idiot when it comes to that for sure that makes no sense at all but then but then <laughs> you're going how are we going to pay for a two trillion dollar tax cut <laughs> that it I don't know how to explain how frustrating that statement is. You found an article that's kind of the same thing. Well, I had a a tweet from Bernie Sanders I was actually going to bring up um, today. He started his tweet with, Republicans have no problem spending trillions of dollars on tax breaks for billionaires. Spending. Like we're cutting checks here. Yeah. So the underlying idea here is that taking less money from people is the same thing as spending money that the how does that make any sense because that the underlying idea there is that you the government owns all money and can decide exactly what is done with it at all times right that they own uh, everything you never have a right to to anything and that if you if they decide to let you keep some of that money that that is them spending that, money right that's the government spending what should have been theirs but it, in no way, shape, or form is you deciding to take less money from someone considered spending money. It makes no sense unless you own the money itself. Uh, and I think that's obviously the underlying ideology in the first that's, place. Yeah, that's exactly what people like her and Bernie Sanders if I, allude to. If I planned on stealing $1,000 from my next door neighbor and I went over there and I stole 800 and then I came back and my wife was like, why are you okay with spending $200? <laughs> Does that make any sense right. at all? Exactly. That, it makes no sense. Right. Oh, man, my head. Well, you got the $1,000 on sale. I guess so. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, you got it on sale. <laughs> that's me implying that the $1,000 from my neighbor was mine to right. begin with. Right. It, it's, it's insane. And this my get, wife would never say that, by the way. This gets better, by the way. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. We only ask how we pay for it on issues of housing, health care, and education. How do we pay for it? With the same exact mechanisms that we pay for military increases, for the Space Force, for all of these uh, ambitious policies. There are Democrats, obviously, who are worried about your effect on the party. Democratic Senator Chris Coons said about left-leaning Democrats, if the next two years is just a race to offer increasingly unrealistic proposals, it'll be difficult for us to make a credible case we should be allowed to govern again. What makes it unrealistic? How to pay for it. We pay more <laughs> per capita in healthcare and education for lower outcomes. Oh, I love that right there. That was good. Yes. <laughs> good job, Anderson Cooper, on that let's, one. Let's go back. What makes it unrealistic? How to pay for it. <laughs> we got to repeat this. Increasingly unrealistic proposals. It'll be difficult for us to make a credible case. We should be allowed to govern again. What makes it unrealistic? How to pay for it. <laughs> we pay more per capita in health care and education for lower outcomes than mm. many other nations. We got to stop right there. Because... Yeah. 
We pay more for healthcare and education with lower outcomes than any other nations. Okay. Uh, both technically true. Yeah. Like, especially when it comes to federal dollars being spent, but here's, here's one problem I have, especially with healthcare. Like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, healthcare costs like an insurance cost weren't that bad for most Americans. And Obama said, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. And I'm not a very good at Obama's voice, but like, <laughs> can anyone out there tell me if you had a healthcare plan 10 years ago, if you got to keep it? Yeah. Can anybody tell me that? If you did, what's the cost look like right now right. compared to 10 years ago? And the, you know, at the same cost. So first of all, you have a government that created a massive problem that now they want to fix. And back then, if you listen to some of the like true conservatives, I believe Ron Paul and Rand Paul, some people were actually talking about this is the, the affordable care act is the government's attempt to create a problem so that they can fix it later. And everybody's going to forget that they caused the actual problem. And that makes me so angry. Now, insurance and healthcare wasn't that great before it was still too expensive. And there's a lot of free market solutions that we can do for that. But the fact is the government made it infinitely worse. Yeah. Way worse than what it was. And now all of a sudden, like now we don't, we, she, she made this quote, like no one talks about the sticker shock of how much money we spend on today's healthcare. Well, the sticker shock came from people like you, like you created the sticker shock. The other thing, another statistical, little statistical nuance that really bothers me here. Okay, so I went to the hospital and I had surgery, right? I had my appendix taken out. So Why don't you like your appendix? I didn't like it. It just, it was a socialist and I had to get it out of there. <laughs> you had to expel the demon. Yeah, I was just trying to take from everything else. It was. Yeah, I had to get it out of there. Um, I went and I had that thing removed and we'll just say the- Did uh, doctor the, do it? The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Train, like a trained specialist. Yeah. Uh, I think I think so. He was uh, smelled of alcohol, by the way. <laughs> really? Scared the crap out of me. But then I was like, you know, he's probably done this a bunch of times. Right. So right. I was like, it probably, you know, probably calms his hands down. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, the bill from that doctor for that surgery, just for him, just for him, was $26,000 is what he built. Now, you can tell me, uh, what do you think the actual amount of money was paid for that that $26,000 bill? How much of that do you think actually ever got paid? Uh, probably half, maybe half. less. Yeah. The, because the, there's, you have to think about there's contracts, there's all kinds of stuff that happens. Yeah, but people, it's worked in now the where people are, the hospitals included are, are billing double the amount that they than they ever plan on getting paid that it's never paid that never that twenty six thousand dollars is never an amount that's actually paid to that doctor now here's the thing that drives me nuts in our statistics for how much we pay per capita for health care the twenty six thousand dollar number is used it's a completely fake number. Not the ten or thirteen thousand. Not the what amount it would that actually he, be. Not the amount that actually gets paid. Right. It's the amount of healthcare costs that are billed in the United States, including your twenty, your twenty-six thousand uh, dollar surgeon, your fifteen thousand dollar overnight stay that never gets that doesn't really get paid by anyone, your two hundred dollar Vicodin that gets written down all the way to, to fifteen bucks. Your thousand dollar ice chips. But no one <laughs> ever pays that full amount. Yet, ever. Yet the the statistics for what the US pays for healthcare uses that full amount. So first off it's already a bad statistic. It's it's completely made up. And they don't even count in the billions of dollars that get written off. No. That are never paid. No, it's they talk billions. about they talk about what the total cost of all healthcare is and that is using all the total billing of all the healthcare facilities in in the US. Right. And we're not saying that healthcare doesn't have a problem. No, it's it de does. It's definitely a massive problem. But it was made infinitely worse by the Affordable Care Act. Way worse. For sure, by and design. Now, by design. And now the same party that instituted this problem wants to fix it for you with a Medicare for all. So basically go to your DMV, wait in line to, to, you know, see if you can get an MRI in a couple of years. 
Yeah. Because maybe the cancer's grown, but we don't know. We'll let you know. Yeah. You can get an MRI and like maybe maybe seven. We can get you on the schedule in seven months. I had a friend lives in, like lives, lives in Canada who um, has early onset of MS. And she finally got her MRI that was scheduled a year, a year out. Yeah. Finally get an MRI to see what the progress of her early onset of MS was. That's awful. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. It's so crazy. All right. Let's listen to uh, just a little bit more of what this genius has to say. <laughs> Good God. And so for me, what's unrealistic is, is what we're living in right now. What's unrealistic is the institution of marriage. <laughs> it's, it's not realistic. That's what that reminds me of. Wedding Crashers. Anybody seen it? No? Never seen it. Yeah. I don't know it. Since the election, some conservative media outlets have focused on Ocasio-Cortez with an intensity unusual for a rookie member of Congress. Her views, her policy positions are actually downright scary. She's been accused of being dishonest about the true cost of her proposals and the tax burden they would impose on the middle class. She's also been criticized for making factual mistakes. One of the criticisms of you is that your math is fuzzy. The Washington Post recently awarded you four Pinocchios for uh, misstating some statistics about Pentagon spending. If people want to really blow up one figure here or one word there, I would argue that they're missing the forest for the trees. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. Oh, it's just semantics. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Those are just facts. It yeah. doesn't matter. You're missing the forest because you're focused on the one tree yeah. that has a disease Ugh. and will spread to the rest of the forest. <laughs> it's like, I just can't even. I can't even with something like that. Yeah, this is an official millennial can't even moment it's just, right here. I think I'm done playing her too. That's it. There's no more. I just... <laughs> Mute. This is it. Mute that lady. I'm done. I, I The... I don't know, even the sheer audacity to make a statement like that. Yeah. It's it's like the true postmodern, like there is no facts. Yeah. There is no moral direction. There's no truth. There's no truth. Yep. It's literally just, uh, we have to be morally right, even if the facts are wrong. Yeah. How does that make any sense? It's literally an oxymoron if I've ever heard one. And then on top of that, I can't figure out First off, how it's morally right to, to be factually wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem to work no. at all. But you could and you could uh, ask her this: um, Is what's happening in Venezuela morally right? Is what happened? Well, in of course Russia? it is because everybody has health care, Nate. They do. Everyone's equal in Venezuela yeah. right yeah. now. They are for sure equally and, starving, and this is a, once again your eye rolls from the socialists who are uh, don't want you bringing up the places that have fallen apart under actual socialism. Uh, was it morally right what happened in Russia, in the uh, in the twenties and thirties, for millions of people to starve to death? Those they had to die, Nate. Yeah, those you see the people that were fighting against that happening were concerned about facts and statistics at that time. Right. But then other people who wanted to care about their morals came in and took over the country. And, and murder was and, justified. And then it was justified at that time. I, I have uh, actually a quote from one of the uh, the people that did the murdering. Uh, I'm gonna find that real quick. It's the, it's uh, like I'm gonna do some filler here while you're looking up right. looking that up. It's obviously, it's sickening to me. It really is. Like, I think about these, you know, the history of the stories of what these policies lead to, and it literally makes me sick to my stomach. I, I, was, t- I was talking to Nate the other day, and I've told a couple of people this, like, and I don't care if everybody on the freaking podcast hears this and somebody replays it. I literally have like a hard line in the sand I because the, the idea of gulags coming to America is not so far fetched that the fact that is if, if my guns ever tried to get taken away from me, like if somebody shows up to my house to take my guns, I'm going down. Yeah. Like I would rather die in a gunfight than I would being put into a prison camp because I will not be silent. I refuse to be silent. 
you that's your your last human right right there which yes. is to protect yourself yep if someone were to come into your house or if some if a tyrannical government were to take all your rights from you the very last one you have is to defend yourself before you lose all of the other ones exactly that's the last one so the this is a quote um in the early 1900s uh, by the way and uh, i did a little article on this but uh, that we'll be releasing one of our auto blogs on on that auto blog auto blog yeah it's something kind of new i think we should maybe trademark it and make an app and offer to host everyone's uh articles on yeah. there i think it's a good idea we'll look, we'll look at that um so in the early 1900s they had the kulaks who which were uh, this is in russia and these were the wealthy peasants the farmers <laughs> wealthy wealthy peasants the wealthy peasants they had uh, like two cows yeah, they had a few that actually said that eventually anyone who had a few more cows than another person or another acre than another person was eventually labeled as a kulak. They were the bourgeoisie. So, bougie. Uh, eventually they were having to go around and they had uh, Stalin had officially ordered the the liquidation of the kulaks, uh, which which were the farmers, uh, the ones that were actually doing better than everyone else. So, this is from one of the people who lived in the community because uh, eventually it became the people in the communities that would rise up and kill the kulaks because they were so filled with hatred for them. Uh, and this person said, and I persuaded myself, explained to myself, I mustn't give in to debilitating pity. We were realizing historical necessity. We were performing our revolutionary duty. We were obtaining grain for the socialist fatherland. So this is back to the ideology that you were saying with, with AOC, that the facts don't matter, the truth doesn't matter, nothing matters. It's, it's, your, it's your ideology that, that matters, and eventually the morals will dictate that the people who have more than you deserve to die. Right. That's the, that's the logical conclusion, because once you convince everyone that the people who have more than everyone else are causing other people to die, then eventually you will be able to make the case that those people deserve to die. And I, what I want you to picture what he's saying there, when, when Nate read that quote, what I want you to picture is what he is saying is when there is a young mother crying out to him not to murder her four-year-old daughter, he believes it's his duty to shoot that little girl in the back of the head for the fatherland. Uh, to, like picture that in your mind to back up the child part they they also said that um these are quotes so they uh would not sit down at a parasite's table the kulak child was loathsome the young kulak girl was lower than a louse that this was the eventually the actual mentality that that they had about the people who were doing better than everyone else right because they were they were they were the farmers, and yes, they were uh, selling their grain to people. But obviously, the people who started with the grain were doing better than everyone else. And eventually, the class warfare they rose up, they killed a million kulaks, and then millions of people starved to death. After that, it's millions so sickening because the ideology was so strong that it dictated its logical conclusion. The ideology was that they kill the people that even grew their food because they were doing better than them. And they all died for it. I think that's a good space, a good spot to end. Yeah. 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 Something that we uh, need to keep in mind. I know that that's really far-fetched for what's going on right now. But I don't this, think it is. It's so not that far crazy. Fetched. It's, it's really not, not. crazy. No. It's really not. I mean... I mean, some, you know, these things take a, a while, but what happens is, is like you keep giving an inch and 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 those inches add up. You look yeah. at people like Antifa, people that are out there uh, promoting and promoting violence and being violent towards other people. It's not that far-fetched to see that that mentality will continue to spread through people, especially when you have an entire generation of people that are growing up with now resentment and with, envy. with all of this hatred, the, all of these, you know, all of these Bernie Sanders videos that they've watched growing up. The, eventually, that is that's what that ideology leads to. The Antifa people are the the very beginning, and maybe they're extreme compared to most of the other people. But uh, other people will slip into that. 
and it will be justified morally to them right to be violent facts be damned to burn places down to attack people on wall street which you know for maybe a lot of people still sounds fun i don't know but that will eventually be morally justified and and even police officers will look the other way like they do during all the other protests Mm -hmm. so i don't know man that's why we do what we do i think yeah like the the moral factual obligation that we have to talk about these ideas to talk about the history to talk about the current events and what's happening in politics right now and what people like AOC and BS are doing to manipulate other people into thinking that these old communist ideas, really, however they try to dress it, it's still a wolf. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing and it's dangerous. And what we're talking about, you know, you may call us conspiracy theorists or whatever, but look at history, man. Just don't even take our word for it. Like the things that we talk about, go read your own book, you know, figure it out for yourself. Read, read ordinary men. Yeah. And f- you can figure out how, you know, German police officers started shooting pregnant Jewish women in the back of the head. Like it was just, just another day. Read the Gulag archipelago. Yeah. You know, learn, hell learn just read Wikipedia. What, yeah. It's on there. Yeah. Most of the stuff I found on the Kulaks was on Wikipedia. Yeah. It's, it's literally there. Yep. We don't learn this and you don't learn it in regular school, but no. you, you learn can, about Hitler in school, which is one of my more, uh, well, you know what you were saying? Like the quotes that you were saying though, is like so eerily familiar to what the Nazis thought of the Jews. It's yeah. still, it's still class separation. It's, it's separation by group. Well, yeah, it was what happened. What happened. And, uh, what was that? Weimar Republic, uh, is when, yeah. uh, all of that kind of fell apart. People's entire life savings was not enough to buy a loaf of bread anymore. Right. And the only people who were doing okay were the Jews. Right. And so that is how all of the hatred bred for that is how Hitler was able to convince everyone that the Jews needed to be exterminated because they were the ones that were actually uh, responsible financially enough to still be able to take care of themselves when everything was falling apart in right. the country. And so they became became the people that everyone hated. That that is literally what happened. And it was done by ethnicity. Yeah, but it's that's still separate, like class separation. It's the same thing. You're you're separating people by their group, not. I mean, even like I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. Like one day he has a dream that his daughters would be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And it's the same thing. Like individuals need to be judged by the content of their character, not what group they belong to, whether it's skin color, ethnicity, race, uh, class status any of that none of that has to do with anything you are as an individual yeah you got i mean jeff bezos said that he feels like it is his obligation to take his money that he's made from amazon and find a way for us to generate all of the energy for planet earth off of planet earth and create uh, a, a planet earth that is only a residential zone and find a way to harness energy and to harvest energy off of Earth with all of it. That's why he started Blue Blue Origin. Right. It's because he wants to create a way to harness and to harvest uh, solar energy. And harness it. Uh, all of them yeah. off of Earth. And But, uh-oh, he's in the 1% class. He's in the evil class. Right. You got to get rid of him. Got to yep. get rid of him. Elon Musk doing what he does. You know, ooh, whoops, he's a billionaire, so... Bill hate, Gates trying to him. cure malaria yeah. in Africa. Bill Gates curing diseases in Africa. Uh-oh, got to hate him. Right. Already have to, he's part of that class. He needs to be exterminated. So just, that's, it's, that's it's, the danger of it. It's so sad. It is. <laughs> well, go to goodmorningliberty.us. That's uh, right. Check out some of the articles. Uh, we can't post them right now because of a little glitch in her website hosting support is on the phone yeah we're we're waiting for a call back i was on the phone with them for what two hours today i think more than that yeah it was a while um so go uh go check that out or you can type in bernielies.com and it's not that we don't know what we're doing because you've been on the phone with what like 10 different people and they have yeah. to keep moving it up and up and up and up and up because there's they keep escalating it to now that we've gotten into like the hard 
coding people now that are trying to figure right. out what's going on with yeah. our website. These are like super engineers. Yeah. So <laughs> so now they're actually having to comb through the co- the uh, the code on yeah. our website and figure out what's going on. I bet it's a little JSON error. Yeah. I'm just gonna throw that just out there. A, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Maybe he'll, I'll ask when they yeah. when they tell me. Was that a JSON thing? Yeah. Yeah, you guys had a little JSON glitch there, didn't you? (laughs) If you guys like this episode, share it with someone. You can hit save on your podcast. You can save it for later, uh, and you can share it to someone. You can even share button, and you can text this episode over to one of your friends who needs to listen to it. You can also leave a rating and review. Very important. Which we haven't gotten any new ones yet. Oh, man. Yeah. It's all been from old Good Morning Liberty. There was, uh, I think there was a new one about a month ago. Yeah. But... There's more people listening. It takes too much time. You got so much stuff to do on your phone. Right. You know, the 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 idea that someone's going to stop and leave a review for something that they like is really, really going downhill. You now, know, if someone really makes you mad, you'll consider stopping to make a review about it. <laughs> but something that you like, you're like, okay, well, I already yeah. like it. Well, I mean, it's it's here. Well, by the time we get done talking way too much about it, you could have already <laughs> left yeah. a five-star review. It's Literally. And probably shared it with three friends. Yeah. I bet. We'll give you a second to do it right now. Yeah. All right, good. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> we appreciate it. All right, guys. We hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.